0: I have to say that this is bizarre cuz we're going to go back in time to revisit the case of Dylan Parker. What do you remember about it from the cuz we did it on 4th of July if you remember 1 year ago. Do you remember anything?
1: Oh my god, I forgot it was 4th of July. Well, I always I think listen that's back to yeah. episode where I know I had a wall yes, exactly. or I had like a big gulp. <laughs> I don't know why I always remember that. Um
0: we started it and you uh, said we went well, happy fourth, baby. And you said happy fourth. Happy
1: fourth. Yes, yes, yes. I know that we've <laughs> talked about that before. Happy fourth. Um I so I remember that this is the case where he is he calls his mom. Yes.
0: He calls Correct? his mom. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, because I know I've told you this, but like I get our our very early cases where we covered a lot of like backwoods young men going missing, I confuse all of them sometimes. They're very similar because
0: a- it's all guys in their 20s. And it, yes. like you said, it's backwoods, it's rural, it's always middle America or rural America. And yeah, there's always something, there's some eerie element to every single one of those where you're like, there is just no way. Well, I almost swore two seconds in, I almost swore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's not premium, baby. It's
0: It's not. It's not premium. Don't get
1: used to that premium life.
0: That's true. I got spoiled (laughs) last time. Well, I should say, I should just clue anybody in who's new here. First and foremost, welcome to Creep Time, the podcast with Silas, Dean, and Stu. Um, We're really happy you're here. And if you're new here, here's what's going on. I go full Wendy Williams. I go, so apparently. (laughs) Going on. So we are retroactively updating the second episode we ever did, which was the unsolved case of Dylan Parker because – Like I said, when you start a podcast, there's lots of stuff that you're figuring out. Like you're trying to put together your flow and like, you know, like figure out like how you're going to structure everything. And specifically, as you and I just learned, audio is always an issue. And in the beginning, it was certainly in a developing stage. So we figured now that we've got flow down and episodes are a little more polished, we could go back and kind of retroactively update the Dylan Parker episode since most people... When they start Creep Time the podcast, this is the first episode they start. So I figured I was like, we should get on the start off on the right foot with you kids, you know?
1: Absolutely, and let's be real, we got a, a little bit more of a budget now. We got a,
0: little, a <laughs> smidge more of a budget. It's true. I mean, there's some yeah things are a little more polished to date.
1: Not a big old budget, but I'm saying, <laughs> like you said, it was tin can communication. It was tin at the can. Which is, I like it. I like a grassroots kind of effort. I like, <laughs>
0: yeah. If you come out the gate swinging, like you've got studio mics, like we sound like we're on NPR. There's nowhere to go.
1: No. You
0: need room to grow, baby.
1: Exactly.
0: Now, I will also say, although our early episodes are fabulous, if you do want to skip because you want better audio quality, you can always skip ahead to, I think, episode 30 and beyond, which is the behind the scenes of the Wizard of Oz app. So with that, I'm just going to do a quick couple of to do's. For anybody who is new to the podcast, we come out with new episodes every Friday. Stu and I, we sit right here, we hang out with you, and we explore the chilling, mysterious, and unexplained. So if you don't want to miss an episode, please make sure that you follow or subscribe to the podcast. You can turn on the bell notification so you don't miss a beat. And if you feel so inclined, you can also leave
1: it. A- <laughs> Hear my voice crack? No. Now that's what happens when you do Wendy Williams. She comes back to get you. She says, don't take my voice.
0: <laughs> Did you hear that in real time? I said, and if you feel so <laughs> Oh, man, I'm sweating.
1: You just knew we were going to go backwards today. So you had to do a little.
0: I know. I, I like yodeled for a second. Damn. Yeah. Well, with that. Impressive. I think. Thank you. I think it's probably a sign that we should just jump straight into the top line. Are you ready, Miss Stu?
1: I'm ready. I really like what I just said to you is all I really remember because now my memory of I've had to like expand my brain with all of these cases. So this is really, I'm basically going to be green again. I feel like. I don't
0: know how you do it every week when I just keep, I just throw a ton. Cause like I have it in front of me, but like you're processing a lot of it in real time. Cause you blind react to more than half of these. Is it overwhelming every single week?
1: Now I've just gotten used to it. Now I'm just more like, like the sleuth mode takes over. So I remember when we did this, I feel like I was in full like sponge mode, just like absorbing all the facts, like trying to figure out our flow, trying to figure out like, I, I honestly, I feel like when we started the podcast, I wasn't so in the world of true crime. Like when I was younger, I definitely had more of an interest in like mystery and stuff. So I feel like this is going to be cool because now I feel like I'm more educated on true crime again and like oh that's
0: a good point yeah you've seen quite yeah, a you gonna be... you're seasoned you've seen a lot of cases at this point
1: yes yes you have seasoned me <laughs> you have cooked me you have broiled me I broiled I am, i'm ready
0: <laughs> honey l- let's try air frying you right now <laughs> let's, let's go for it oh i will that say one other thing since we are like i said retroactively updating the second episode we are going to preserve the original it's going to be archived But it is going to be made a premium episode, so if you are a premium subscriber, you can always go and listen to the OG Dylan Parker episode. But for now, I'm going to take you right back in time to the top line. You ready? I'm ready. So just to jog your memory, because it has been a year since we covered this, I just wanted to talk about what makes the Dylan Parker story as eerie as it is for so many people. So to refresh your memory, Dylan Parker was an 18-year-old kid who was living in Osborne, Idaho. I bet you never thought you'd hear that again. Osborne, Mm -hmm. Idaho. Um, It was the evening of January 11th, 2014, when he attended a party on Two Mile Road and he never made it home. So although he called his mother to come pick him up that night and sounded kind of frantic or like rushed on the phone, she was never able to find him. He somehow disappeared while on foot walking to meet her. So after a week of searching, all this time would pass without a trace of Dylan. A couple of ATV riders, I hope this comes back to you in full force. They're riding through the Uh woods in the middle of the night up like the woods past two mile road. And they crashed their ATV, came back the next morning to retrieve it. And they stumbled upon something chilling in the forest. It was the body of 18-year-old Dylan Parker who was found in the snow without any explanation as to how he got there. And there were several things to this scene that did not add up. Did it come flooding back or are you still like on the outskirts?
1: I'm still pretty much on the outskirts, but I remember the ATV thing. That's coming back to me now because that's definitely different from the other backwoods discoveries or non-discoveries the ones because here's the thing about dylan parker they did find the body they did yes i feel like with some of the other ones we did they never found you know the person so brandon swanson brian
0: Schaefer, yeah Yeah. like all guys that Mm -hmm. just flat out went missing dylan parker went missing but then was found this really is kind of like um like the michelle von emster case it's like a mysterious death that doesn't really make sense Mm -hmm. but i remember like listening back to the old episode of us doing this and we talked about the night riders with the atvs and we're like (laughs) This is real Idaho. (laughs) This is very Osborne, Idaho.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yes, I remember that.
0: So let's get into a bit of backstory. Uh, Just a bit about who Dylan was and what this town of Osborne, Idaho, is like for anybody who doesn't know. So for a deep dive on his backstory, um, I'm just going to start actually with where he's from because he wasn't originally from Osborne, um, but this place does have some sinister vibes, as you'll remember. He, I think, grew up in let's see, Montana, um, but he later moved to Osborne, Idaho, when he was a teenager. But So he, most of his friends, I would say, like up until this point, are locals. This is a very, very small town. Proximity-wise, it's up in like the northeastern corner of Idaho. And when I'm talking about small and rural, like less than 2,000 people living there. It's it's actually I think from the 2019 census it's like 1500, which oh my god I have to say I w- I was thinking about that while doing this research I was like I wonder if like when true crime podcasts cover towns where like insidious things have happened if it actually can affect like how like housing and like sales of homes real estate
1: because mm-hmm.
0: I can't imagine like if this case got big anybody's seeking out Osborne, Idaho to go you know get a winter home or something, right. Or maybe that's the strategy to get prices mm. down. It's <laughs> so f-
1: truth, up. <laughs> truth. I, I as you said that I, all I could think about was that's a high school. That's a full high school. Oh yeah, in one town,
0: everybody um, knows everybody,
1: and beyond.
0: That's true. Well, all the secrets are like town gossip becomes like news kind of thing. Yeah, which is why when this happened, this town was like spiraling out because this is a big. Story. That's a very mysterious disappearance of a kid who leaves on foot less than a mile from a house party, going to meet his mother, and seemingly vanished on the road. Nobody knows where he went.
1: And talk about, like, we reference local lore all the time. Talk about local lore. I mean, if you're in a town that small and nobody is putting things together to come up with a storyline of like what happened and nobody can figure out like where he went. Mm. That's, that's weird because I feel like most of the time in small towns, they're going to come up with a like story that everybody kind of sides with and everybody believes, even if it's not true. And the fact that people were just like, we don't know what happened to this kid well, It's so eerie. I,
0: I told you when I first did this case, I did a lot of digging with some of the locals, actually. I was seeking out that local lore because I was like, oh, yeah. like, like we say, there's always three versions of the story. The police, the press, and the locals. So I was like, I want to know what the locals think. And there's a pretty firm consensus that something shifty went down here that maybe the cops know about. So I'm going to get into some of the theories with it. But I just wanted to give a little bit of context about where we're at who Dylan Parker is. Actually, I should give a little bit more about Dylan Parker. So just for a quick rundown about who he was, like I said, he didn't live in Osborne for his entire life, but, you know, he was just a, uh, actually he had just graduated high school and I couldn't find out in the research, even back when I did it last year, if um he had any plans for college uh, or maybe the military. I did find pictures of him, if you remember this with a little um name tag on his shirt that said cadet. So I wasn't mm. sure if he was in a recruitment program or maybe he went to like a military camp or something, but I, I just couldn't find anything further on that. But that's really all the context you need before we get into the meat of the case, which is the night of, do you remember the timeline of this, how this went down?
1: <sighs> okay. Help me. Cause I'm, I'm, I don't want to conflate. I know. I didn't mean to ones. make
0: this a test where I'm like, do you no, know no, no, no. the time it's stamp of like, my memory?
1: <laughs> it keeps me youthful. Um, <laughs> Is this the one where he went to the party mm-hmm. and, ah, no, I'm, I'm confusing it. I thought that perhaps he was kind of in a rough crowd and then he left and then maybe people thought he got followed.
0: I mean, that could certainly be a theory. I don't think he was a part of a rough crowd. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm already choking. This is why I shouldn't drink on this podcast. <laughs> Um, he does leave the party, of course. Um, this is right after midnight because he's walking to go meet his mother. He, as far as we know, and from all the witness testimony at the party, he left alone, which is what makes this strange. Okay. Yeah, but again, nobody at the party could corroborate that he had any issues with anybody at the party. Like, there was no one who was like, yeah, he left, like, in a heap or, like, he was fighting with someone or he had beef with this guy. There was nothing to suggest that anybody would have been after dylan parker although there are some details about the final call with his mother that seem kind of off and i'll get into it with the timeline but it he was kind of he didn't overtly say something's wrong but he was kind of indicating with his voice like there's some urgency that i need you to come pick me up for whatever reason so what happens on the night of january 11th i'm going to take you back to the scene of the evening So we're in Osborne. It's the dead of winter. It is a cold, snowy night on the night of the 11th. And there's a bunch of local teenagers who are attending a house party up on Two Mile Road. Now, the area, if you remember, it's kind of up near like the woods, like the backwoods, I would say, of this town. The whole town is very rural, but there is a main strip where, you know, like cars would pull off if they were passing through from town to town, county to county. This is far away from that. It's kind of difficult to drive in in the snow. So Dylan, while at this party, he's in contact with his mom for the entirety of the night. He's texting her and he's kind of like coordinating with her about times, like when she's going to come pick him up. And from the investigation that would later come out, they checked his uh, his phone communications. I think he had 12 communications total back and forth between 9 to midnight with his mom coordinating on the pickup. So let's just talk for a second Uh, about why maybe he would have been speaking with her as often as he was, or, like, what kind of—I don't know if that indicates something. You know what I'm trying to get at? Like, for someone that was planning so diligently with their mother that they were going to get picked up at a certain time, for a lot of the conspiracy around this where they're like, well, clearly he was at a party, so he must have, like— he was intoxicated or he took something— that doesn't read to me as somebody who would have taken something that night. You're not coordinating with your parent like all night. Like you're going to pick me up at X time. Let me go ahead and like take psychedelics or something, you know?
1: Right. It indicates to me some social anxiety that he's trying to hang, but maybe would like to get out of there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just think that if I think about, I mean, obviously I'm just going off my own personal experience, but in, in high school, if I were to go to a party and I was really enjoying myself, I was like, "Ugh!" like if I got a text from my parents saying, when are you going to be home? Do we need to come get you? I'd be like, no, I'm fine. I'll coordinate. I'll figure it out. (laughs) I've got a ride, you know? So to me, you know, I, I just remember if I felt uncomfortable or I really wanted to get out of there, but I didn't want to like show that I was uncool or I couldn't hang. Then, you know, I could see somebody texting the parent to be like, hey, when are we going to get out? When can I get out of here? Like easily with nobody noticing sort of. Well, it's just
0: something to do if you're not talking to anybody too at a party like you just your face goes to your phone. So and especially if all your friends in town are in this party, you're not going to be texting them. So you would text a family member. I could see that. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't get that out of my head while I was revisiting the case a year later where I was like, oh, yeah, he was talking to his mom a lot. So I couldn't imagine that he was like, I'm going to take some very hard drugs because a lot of people have said, well, if he disappeared, maybe he was on something. And I just don't buy that.
1: Unless it was a paranoia thing where he started to have a bad trip and maybe he was thinking got to get in contact with mom, like mom is a safe space space safe place for me mm-hmm. but still i just think i also think that hard drugs in a rural town hard to come by hard to come by
0: yeah northern idaho not happening you're not gonna get psychedelics too often
1: yeah um yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: You said that like you had lived experience.
1: I, I do. No, for sure. <laughs>
0: You're like definitely hard to come by.
1: Definitely hard to get shrooms. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no,
0: no. But I, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I kept thinking about that, but I'll get a little bit further into the story and like what actually happens the night of. So also I will say just like on the note of, since we're talking about it, him possibly having illicit drugs in his system. If you remember when his autopsy comes out, his talk screen is pretty much clear. He had nothing on him, like nothing in him. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. So that also, two points to like conflate my theory here where I'm like, um mm, doesn't seem like a kid who was like planning to take something that night, but also after the fact, once the remains are discovered and he's examined, nothing in the system outside of alcohol.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we really don't have a leg to stand on with the drug theory here, but I'll keep going. So what happens next? Now, Dylan had coordinated... Um, with his mom for a pickup that was going to take place after midnight. Now he's up on two mile road, like I said, but like, it's also very dark and it's difficult to navigate because it is snowing outside. Absolute hell as a parent going to pick up a kid in the snow. So their plan actually, since it's kind of off the main road is that she's going to park. She's about like 10, 15 minutes away from like the entrance to this street. She's going to park at the end of the street at a gas station He is going to leave because it's less than a mile and walk down two-mile road in the dark on foot, get to her in the snow at the gas station. It's maybe like a 10-minute walk on his end, but not going to be too big of an issue. So they patch up the plan shortly after midnight after talking on the phone, and to her description, he did not sound intoxicated, really. I mean, maybe he sounded a little buzzed, but he did not sound like he was overly slurring or like he was like pissed drunk. Like he just sounds pretty clear, pretty normal. They hang up within minutes. He calls her back. And this is where things kind of shift. If you remember this time, things are off. He sounds kind of frantic. He sounds panicked. And he's kind of like, are you here? Like, where are you? Like, are are you on your way still? And she's like, yes. She's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm driving. Like, why? What's up? He never overtly says over the phone that anything's wrong. Or anything is off. She's just kind of assuming, okay, maybe he's just walking and he's cold and he's getting impatient. But she can sense that urgency in his voice. And he goes, I'm just making sure you're on your way. So they end this call. And she has no idea that this would be the last time that she ever gets to talk to her son. In just a 10-minute window after that call ended, for some reason, somehow, Dylan Parker disappeared off the side of the road. We should pause there for a second and just talk about how chilling that is. Things that have, like, a slim timestamp like that where something goes wrong in, like, a tiny, tiny window. Freaky. Freaky as hell.
1: Freaks me out so much. And it makes me so sad because it's just—it's wrong place, wrong time, wrong environment. Like, had he just stayed back and— Somebody escorted him down the road or walked with him. It's like, what could have, how could we have mitigated that whole disappearance? Well, we don't even know,
0: like, really what went wrong is the strangest part about it. I mean, it kind of sounds like, from that thinking, it sounds like this was of Dylan Parker's own doing. Like, he facilitated his own disappearance for whatever reason. But I can't imagine why, if he had nothing in his system, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, it's coming back to me now. I forgot about, did he, I don't want to jump ahead, but did the temperature have something to do with his death?
0: Well, it was really, it was freezing outside and it was snowing. Um, yeah. But he had just left the party. And like I said, this is only, this is less than a mile walk. Yeah, like re- sure. realistically, they actually, I think investigators after the fact timed it, like how long it would have taken him considering the elements. And they were like, it would have been like 10, 12 minutes. 10 or 12 minutes in the snow, even if you're underdressed, which he was, but he had a hoodie. I don't think it's going to cause you to slip into a, I don't know, a state of hypothermia that affects your cognition. You know what I mean? Right. But maybe. I mean, it's not impossible. It just seems unlikely to me.
1: It seems unlikely to me too, because I'm I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that is potentially not sober mm-hmm. and let's just say does go off course a little bit and like gets into some deep snow my first instinct would be like double back go back the way I came get out of the snow even if I'm going out of the way and I'm not going towards mom yeah like let me get out of this situation where I'm like definitely going down the wrong path
0: so you think it sounds like somebody who was getting lost kind of
1: a little bit. Yeah. I'm curious if that's what I thought the first time, but that's what I'm thinking right now. I happen
0: to know because I listened to the OG episode. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, I mean, you were tracking pretty pretty firm for the whole thing, but I don't think even once you suspected that it was of his own doing. I think the whole time you were like, there's something we don't know. Like you were in full <laughs> sleuth mode. You were sleuthing it out.
1: I I mean, I do think there's something we don't know because I don't know why. I, I think that there's something we don't know in the sense that he was trying to get out of there fast. And I don't know why.
0: That's an interesting perspective, too, to think that he had to flee the party for whatever reason, which would be supported from bit. like the urgency on the phone where he, the mom is like, why, why you in such a rush? He's like, I'm just making sure you're still coming kind of thing. That's the unexplained thing. Either he had to leave the party really fast for whatever reason, or he thought he was being followed and then got so paranoid he ran to the woods to hide.
1: Mm.
0: Well, actually, maybe I am getting ahead of myself. I'll keep going on the night.
1: That's my fault.
0: No, no, no. It's (laughs) I I engaged. (laughs) So what happens next? So his mom arrived at the meeting spot, right? Because things haven't even unfolded yet. It's this gas station at the end of Two Mile Road, and she's expecting to see him like standing there in the parking lot. He's nowhere. Now, mind you, like I said, it is snowing. It's cold. So she's like, okay, maybe he just went inside to kind of like keep warm. She goes in, talks to the attendant, the cashier, hasn't seen him. Dylan never came to the gas station. And he's not outside, which means that he never even made it. So she's probably assuming he's back on two-mile road. He never got down, which is odd because it took her like 10 or 15 minutes to get there. And she knows how close this is. So this is... I think when like a sliver of the panic starts to set in that maybe something might have gone wrong because she starts trying to get a hold of him to call him. He's no longer answering his phone. This was the thing I forgot about with this case. The phone is on, Stu. Phone is on. Talked to him 10 minutes ago. Still ringing. He's not answering calls. He's not answering texts. That is odd.
1: Oh, this is coming back to me now. Yeah.
0: And of course, there's no like immediate camera footage at the gas station that he ever arrived there. So now she's really uneasy because especially since the phone is not dead. She's like something could have really happened on that road. So she gets back in her car, puts on her brights, takes her chances. She's like, it, I'm going to I'll drive. I-, I am getting used to these premium episodes. Damn it.
1: <laughs> Twenty five. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm on bad behavior today. <laughs> All You're
1: right. on bad behavior. That's that's a. Uh, what's your alter ego's name?
0: Who's my alter ego? Oh oh, <laughs> wait wait that wasn't oh, Sleestan. Sleece we wait, we missed oh, we wait, missed that. that. Wasn't the first. I know Damn for it. for anybody who visit when Stu and I first got on, I was talking. I was at Starbucks today, um, like working on my computer because my Wi-Fi is down, and I was there and I kept ordering stuff from my phone, and they never get Silas right when they say the name. So she was like, Sleece, order for sleece. <laughs> so that's that's my alter ego deanne
1: Sleastian.
0: deanne sounds like a raging alcoholic woman <laughs> <laughs> who absolutely lives in Vegas but not like proper Vegas like Henderson Vegas and just, <laughs> just like,
1: like we met deanne a couple of times. Maybe
0: I met her in the mirror. <laughs> a couple
1: weeks ago when I was
0: like I'll talk yeah. about this later but like my blackjack problem after you went to bed. <laughs> I met Sleese Deanne. I looked right in the mirror and I said, there she is. That's her. Anyway, I forgot what made us start talking about that.
1: It was my fault.
0: Stop blaming yourself.
1: Stop blaming yourself. Well, any new creepers, you'll have to, once you get through the whole season, you'll know that <laughs> Sleese Deanne and I went to Vegas. And we will fully <laughs> recap it on our season two premiere. I am sure this is but. so
0: weird to talk about this. Like we literally are back in time because this is chronologically going to sit as like the f- second episode we've ever it's just So weird. You've got a lot in so store. We're happy you're <laughs> <here> <laughs> <that you're laughs> you've got a lot coming us. up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what happens next. She goes back on Two Mile Road. She's going to take her chances and because she knows he's not dressed for the weather. So if he never made it and he's not answering his phone, he's he can't last too long out there. She is driving up the road. It's pitch black. Nothing. She starts rolling down her window and she's screaming his name. She never hears a response back. So police are contacted by that night and surprisingly, actually this was the episode where we started talking about county. This was like the inception of county police. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> oh god.
0: That's why the, the, the original episode has to be preserved. So she called county police and an immediate search would commence, which was kind of shocking because we talked about this before, like how he was 18. Like he's still young, but usually when you're 18, police kind of put up a fuss with like a missing persons report. But I think because it was so cold out and she gave the details, she's like, no, you don't understand. He's on foot and he has nothing on, like no coat. Police jump in. They took action that night. They were very swift. And, of course, the first place they're going to source back to is the house. Now, they go back to the house on Two Mile Road because they want to start talking to people to see, like, what happened. Like, where was Dylan when you last saw him? They pretty much get testimony from all the kids at the party. And according to everybody they spoke with, there was no reason to believe that Dylan had any issues with anybody at the party. And from what everyone described, he didn't seem too intoxicated. I mean, the whole party was kind of casually drinking. Most of them were underage, but he was not, he, he wasn't piss drunk. He was not beyond what they thought would be okay for him to leave the party on foot. But the question is, where did he go and why? Now, Dylan Parker would never be found that night. And the story of his disappearance kind of ricochets throughout the county and neighboring counties, because like I said, Everybody knows everybody. And things like this, as strange as this, don't happen. They just don't happen here. So there are search efforts throughout the town that would continue for the entire week and beyond with virtually no trace of Dylan or his cell phone. And there are no witnesses that night who claim to see him. After he left the party, he just kind of vanished. That was it. What are, I got to say, like, that's such a nightmare scenario. And I know we talked about that last time, but to have like such a tight window where you just spoke to your son and then not even 10, 15 minutes pass, he was less than a a mile away from you and he's gone.
1: You were right there. It's like you were, had you just, had it not been snowing, had you been able to get up that road? Yeah. Like that's just devastating as a parent. Like you were so close in proximity to him and yet something went awry where you've, the, it just, the gap grew wider and wider.
0: And what I'll also say is like, it's strange to think about how quickly she acted too. Because the second, he wasn't Mm -hmm. at the gas station. She immediately got back in that car and she's like, we're going up two mile road. She moved so fast as did the police, shockingly. And yet somehow they still miss him like the the speed of the disappearance is what's jarring to me
1: I think also what is really eerie about this case is that let's say there wasn't anything nefarious that took place at the party mm-hmm. the the person or group of people that saw him like leave the house probably just thinking like oh, Dylan's leaving or whatever and then for this to transpire like that is just just thinking, just knowing that like, wait, had somebody walked out with him, had somebody asked him where he was going, like we could have more information yeah, or have saved him. The
0: unsuspecting last moments where people see somebody talk to somebody are always the most mm-hmm. haunting when I read about these cases. Like to think about final phone calls, like his mom just speaking to him for the last time or like final words that people say. It's very, I think about the Mara Murray case with that a lot because she- I think, had some some bizarre, like, final conversations with her family before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, something about that kind of bothers me. The idea of, like, what they chose to say, whether or not they knew that they were about to disappear. In Mara's case, it sounded like she was trying to disappear. But with Dylan, we really don't know what happened. But I do want to explore the idea that maybe he got lost and just how unlikely that seemed to me. So I want to paint the picture. Creepers. So... I've Google mapped this, like what this house looked like on two mile road. And it is, it's rural, it's back roads, it's wooded. I'll i will give you that. It's dark. However, it is exceptionally close to the main road. Like if you were out there in the dark and you were to get out to the road, it's only one road. There's no like deviations, no extra roads, very difficult to get lost. You would immediately turn to the left and you could see the lights of the main road, like from the gas stations and stuff. So... It just never made sense to me that like he got out, was walking, called his mom, confirmed he was walking, like in that direction, and then something else happened. It's weird, right?
1: Oh, it's beyond weird. I I, I think I think the thing that makes it so unsettling is just that in the other cases that we've done mm-hmm. that are kind of backwoods disappearances, there has been some sort of indication of like they were in potentially a fight, or there was a girlfriend, or there was like something else, or was another layer. And this is just like, like, really not a lot to go off of. And yeah, even just like in terms of how much we know about Dylan and his backstory and his psyche, it's like we're kind of flying blind with the you know. It's, it's pretty it's slim. Tough, yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: this case also doesn't get reported on very often. I I mean, there's Mm -hmm. only a handful of people I've seen cover it in depth, truly. And I'm sure it got some news coverage at the time. And there have been petitions to get private eyes on this, to get the FBI involved. Because, you know, you can, this is one of the cases where you sure as hell cannot trust County, because I'm going to get into just how insidious this is. But we haven't even gotten to the eeriest part of the story, which is the discovery. Do you remember anything about that?
1: I want to say he, what? well, no, I guess because it was so cold, it wasn't a river, Um, like up a bank or something or like up a mountain? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. So like I was saying before, more than a week passes, I think it's 10 days total, and there were two teenagers. I think they were, or maybe they were young, young adults, like 20s. They were riding their ATVs through the backwoods, <laughs> and this is right near Two right. Mile Road, as you do. And one of them crashed their ATV. Now, because it was dark and it was late, I think it was around 12.30 a.m. when one of them crashed this. They were like, no one was hurt. So they're like, we're just going to come back tomorrow and we'll get the ATV out. We'll tow it out of the woods, haul it out. So they return the following day to the same site where they crashed. They would spot something chilling. It was a body frozen in the snow, which would soon be identified as 18-year-old Dylan Parker. Now, police, county police, <clears throat> ding, 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 and investigators, they are called and they make their way up to the scene to inspect the body. And immediately something is very wrong here. Dylan Parker was found frozen in the snow. And the location, if you remember, this was actually so far up into the mountains, like the snowbanks you were talking about. It actually mm-hmm. crossed the town line. They weren't even technically in Osborne anymore. So however he got up there, he had moved quite a ways, like very far. But the most visually shocking part of Dylan's discovery was that he is found in the snow without his pants. The pants were removed, as were his shoes, and they have never been located. There's more stranger than that. Stranger than that, he still appeared to be wearing his socks, which were completely clean, which would suggest that he took off his shoes, probably in the area where he laid down and died. Yet the shoes are never found, which led some to believe that because Dylan's socks were so clean, and that's why this case is often referred to as clean socks, Dylan's feet never touched the ground. I just gave myself chills.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's coming back to me a little bit that, that was it that we theorized or there are theories that he could have potentially been, like, moved or yes dragged yes, yes, or yes. carried? Yes. So, okay. so there's
0: actually quite a bit to support this. It's pretty interesting. So let's see. Stranger than that, I will just say, beyond the clean socks, beyond the missing pants, the missing shoes, would also, through investigators... There were no footprints. Nothing. That's right. Nothing in the snow. Is that not not bone-chilling as hell? Not a single footprint up the mountain in the snow anywhere around him. How did he get
1: there? It's like he was dropped there from the sky. Is it right? Like, there's something
0: so unnerving about that to me. Every single time I review this case, it has to be up there with, like, my top five or something because... Such a small town, such an unsuspecting place for, like, something insidious to happen. But truly, 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 this is one that has so little to go off of. And it's so freaky. Did that just throw you? Did it just come I, like I
1: totally <laughs> forgot about the no footprints thing. Because I was thinking to myself, okay, thinking about the pants being removed. And I feel like maybe this is what I touched on last time. That when you get really cold, you're supposed to take off some of your clothes. Mm-hmm. to. It'll actually trigger your body to like warm itself up basically. I think I might have thought that last time. And then really it was the no footprints thing that absolutely threw me. No,
0: I was just going to get into it. I was going to say, well, the absence of the pants is yeah, not as shocking to me because I kept thinking about the paradoxical effect of hypothermia where you're so cold, your brain tricks itself into thinking you're burning or like what you were saying, it's a survival technique where, and I think Dylan Parker, he grew up hunting and in Boy Scouts. So I think he probably Mm -hmm. maybe knew that because you learned that from Outward Bound, right? Yeah. (laughs) Which I was I was realizing like, I forgot when you had initially told me what Outward Bound was. So I think for uh, maybe like four or five episodes, every time you mentioned it, I thought you were talking about Outer Banks, like the TV show. Stop. And you were like, well, I learned that it, outward bound and i was like yeah that, that that fabulous netflix show of
1: course of course that is a netflix you know, show right be... is that a netflix show yes yes thank god there should be a literal drinking game for the amount of times i mentioned outward bound on this podcast
0: do you know how quickly we'd be sued for be. for alcohol intoxication for stomach oh pumping my god.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> i know
0: But I I did think that, though. I mean, I thought I was like, there could be some logical reason as to why he took off the pants. The strangeness of that is that the pants and the shoes never found no footprints. There is no way to explain that. It it doesn't add up. So later on, once the body is collected, after they survey the scene and they inspect it, like I said, they do that tox screen. There are no illicit substances found in his system beyond alcohol. How do we explain that?
1: I mean, I would be curious to know from friends or family, like, could this have been one of the first times he ever drank? And maybe he just was pounding hard liquor and got so intoxicated that he just fully lacked awareness. And
0: I was willing to buy that. I was willing yeah, – yeah, I was willing to go that territory. But I don't think – I think beyond the talk screen or like checking his blood alcohol level at the time, and I'm not sure how much your body can process after you <clears throat> die, but his mom had talked to him several times on the phone. I th- Wouldn't she be able to tell? I mean she said that he sounded buzzed, but you'd probably be able to tell if somebody was like inebriated beyond control. Like they can't even walk, you know?
1: Well, I think I'm also remember something that we talked about, what? I think, with this case, which was that, is there a world where, as a parent, knowing that something has happened to your child, that you want to preserve their memory and the integrity I of that I do remember
0: you bringing it up. Such a good point. And,
1: like, maybe you don't indicate that they sounded, like, really, really messed up on the phone because your son's—I can understand it. Your son is gone. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: It could be a guilt thing as well if you hold a lot of residual guilt like I knew how I knew how gone he was. Why did I stay in the same place? Why didn't I just drive up the road? But even so even if he was drunk beyond repair and he got confused got lost got paranoid whatever it was something that sent him off two mile road up into the woods uphill for like a long long time. It still doesn't explain half of this case. Where are his pants? Where are his shoes? He's found on the ground in a hoodie, his underwear, and his socks. No hat, no gloves, nothing. I don't believe they ever retrieved his cell phone, which is also odd. Really odd, actually. Yeah. No pants, no shoes, no footprints. I, sound, I feel just, like I'm interrogating I'm, you. I'm like, what's the answer?
1: No, I no, I feel like you and I are, are with the... Uh... Like I'm envisioning us in like an investigative show where we've got the bulletin board, we're pulling the we're putting the push pins and the cork board and drawing the line, you know, the taking the thread. Oh, why didn't
0: we do that for a photo shoot? Oh my god. Oh my
1: god.
0: I'm gonna figure that out. We still can't. We
1: uh, <laughs> Bybee,
0: anything is possible.
1: Anything. <laughs> um But I mean, I just can't think What is the logical explanation for no footprints? Well, Had it snowed again? We'd
0: originally thought that. So when I went back, we were like, well, it probably just snowed over. And a lot of people on TikTok said that they're like, the snow just filled in the footprints. But I talked about this last time because I was curious about that. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you do in the world of forensics when like you're looking for footprints? There's nothing and it snowed. You can still find footprints. It's a process, which I think I referred to it as um, forensic casting. And even if, Footprints in the snow have been snowed over, even if they've been partially melted, you can still usually find some kind of a trail, some kind of print, because it's not even just the scene around him that has no footprints. There's no trail anywhere on the mountain, even the places that are covered by trees. Like, there's nothing there to show, like, how Dylan Parker got from point A to point B. It's It's also- bizarre.
1: Also, no tracks even on, like, the road. I mean.
0: Yeah, the beyond footprints, no tire tracks out there. No footprints from another person. No animal print. Like, the whole thing is just not really adding up for me. But we're not the only ones who feel that way, if you remember. Because we've got the coroner on our side. Mm. Oh, one other thing I would say about, so speaking of the coroner. So he actually got a really close look of the body in the setting when they found it. Because he found a odd, he's like, there's no footprints, that's very strange, I don't really know how to explain that. So he starts piecing together his own story here, and he got a really close look at the body, and he noticed that Dylan had a lot of, like, scrapes and cuts on his face and his hands, like, pretty much his whole body, which kind of looked like he was trekking through the woods, like, branches were scratching him kind of thing, like, it, it seemed frantic, right? His legs, although he had no pants on, were completely untouched. No scrapes, which the coroner suggested that Dylan was carried up the mountain, like a fireman's carry, where somebody hangs you over their shoulder and the, your top half is hanging on their back and it's exposed to like the branches and whatnot, whereas their arms are clutching your legs, protecting your legs. That would also explain why his socks were clean. Do you get a, Does That's- that give you a feeling?
1: That gives me a chill because I just I don't know why somebody would want to pick him up and carry him take up. Him.
0: It's something, but even it's that so even dark. that story doesn't fully explain where those footprints went. Because you would find that person's footprints, right? Maybe not right. Dylan's, but you would find that guy's. I'm assuming right. it's a guy. Now. Because his death or the cause of death was not immediately obvious. The remains were obviously collected. They were submitted for autopsy, which, like I said, which is where we got the talk screen, which showed a lack of illicit substances. Um, anything that could explain his behavior that would have led him up into the woods, some kind of a paranoia or irrationality. rationality. Now, this was the part of the research initially where things get very eerie because things stop adding up. All of the strange details of the body are kind of raising the red flags for the coroner. And he's a veteran coroner, this guy. And he's starting to feel like this death scene is, is kind of unusual. It's not like something he's seen in his career. So he's noting the inconsistencies. And oddly enough, three weeks after he raises hell about this, and the investigation is still ongoing, the county coroner is fired from his job. Now, do you sniff the county corruption?
1: I was gonna say, mm-hmm. we have to let our new creepers know about county. Oh,
0: baby, they're already picking up on it. But the truth, the yeah. truth is, is that in most cases, you can't trust county.
1: You just can't trust county.
0: Would it be said we were like now the city police? The, the, the. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now city police
0: <laughs> but county police I mean if there's any case where like county is shifty I would say this is up there along with maybe the Maitreese Richardson case but mm-hmm. it is certainly suspect if you've got a coroner a coroner veteran coroner who's saying listen um, this is unlike any death scene I've ever looked at something doesn't seem to be adding up with this body and he's saying this publicly like making statements like I I for one think that we need to look, take a deeper look into Dylan Parker's death And then whoever's above him makes the swift decision to have him removed, unceremoniously dismissed. Something's up. Well, and
1: that's the thing in a small town. It's like, if you have nothing to hide, Mm -hmm. why not investigate that? Why not go down that path? If we're already all so unclear about how this could have possibly happened, why wouldn't you let the, the county coroner try something and go down a path. Yeah,
0: exp- just explore the inconsistencies of the case, at least. I mean, every case, is it. you should give it its due diligence. So, yeah, it seems odd that the one person who saw the body, who seems to be poking holes in the story, suddenly gets shut out from the case and discredited. Mm-hmm. That's bizarre. And like I said, I've talked to the, I can't say who, but I've talked to some of the locals that I've sourced online. There is a pretty firm consensus that the county police know something that we don't. That is menacing. It's just... I hate it. <laughs> I can't take that.
1: It's so chilling mm. because it's it's happening all the time, too. It's happening in... Especially, I have to say, I take such a strong stance. So I don't even know if it's a stance against or whatever. But I, I just think, as somebody that grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. the... Influence that you know, people in that town that are higher up or have been there for generations—the influence they can have over a completely uh department that should be unbiased—and mm-hmm. it's just it sucks.
0: Well, it's it's unchecked too because people forget about these places. Like nobody—how often was Osborne, Idaho, on anybody's radar?
1: Exactly. So yeah,
0: it runs like its own little independent system. It's a little—it's a miniature government where people do kind of get sick with power. But I could certainly see a scenario where, especially if somebody's kid was involved in, I don't know, some nefarious way. Because I also ran through a scenario I was like, I can see, because I was thinking, I'm like, why would somebody carry Dylan Parker up there unless Dylan Parker was already dead?
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: But I'm like, how would Dylan Parker have died? So I'm like, maybe he was beaten up. Maybe it was a hit and run or hit and cover up, I guess, is what the proper term would be for this. And instead of just, like, taking the body someplace else, they thought, I'm going to take it up into the woods as far as I can possibly take it. And then we also talked about, like, whether or not it's true that there really were no footprints up there. According to the report, because footprints would have most likely led to a suspect, there were no footprints, but it's possible that that Maybe something we can't trust if it was County who was overseeing the report. Mm -hmm. The coroner was not looking for footprints, although I I believe he did publicly corroborate. He's like, I did not see any. He was more so there to inspect the body and just how odd it seemed. So where does this go next? So let's talk about what comes out publicly in the, the investigation. So the official cause of death was listed as hypothermia and exposure, but the problem was that before the coroner was fired, he starts kind of stirring this pot because he's sounding the alarm. He's saying, listen, there's more here that you guys are ignoring. And he said in his opinion and decades of experience, the injuries presented on Dylan Parker's body looked consistent with someone who was carried up into the woods by another person and that their clothing was removed by hand by someone else. This still was not an explanation for the supposed lack of footprints, like I said, which, <clears throat> again, we are trusting the county sheriff that they were honest about that. But the coroner said there is just no like reasonable explanation for the massive amounts of like cuts and scrapes on his face and his neck and his hands, and yet his legs are untouched. It just doesn't make sense. And what was also inf- infuriating about this investigation was that There was never an investigation that was done for sexual assault, which I always thought was strange with this case. Because a lot of people, when we first, um, when I first covered it actually on TikTok and when we first did the original episode, the absence of the pants, people were like, he should have been examined for signs of sexual assault. According to the autopsy report, it was never priority. So unless it was concealed, we can just assume it never happened.
1: That's messed up. (laughs) Well, it it should seem
0: standard, especially in this case where someone's pants are missing and they haven't been found.
1: Totally, totally. Like, and the rest of their clothing is still on. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if they think it is a nothing, they should just standard procedure. Again, just explore and investigate that and then rule it out.
0: What happens after that is that once that report does come out, the autopsy comes out and they close the investigation with the official cause of death. That coroner comes out and he goes, I contest this. I do not believe this is the proper cause of death. And I think there's more here. That is when he gets dismissed from his position. But the seeds of doubt are sown. Because people in this town are talking and they believe that there's something that they're not being told. So that is the extent of the Dylan Parker I was about to say episode. I was like, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> but that's everything that we know that's public-facing about the case. So then I was going to jump into just, I mean, I have some theories listed, but I figured we could just talk through because there's really only two that we can explore. It was either accidental of his own doing or there's something nefarious here. There was another person who was involved. So if we're going with the idea, if we're first exploring the theory that Dylan Parker was intoxicated, or he was confused. Maybe he was experiencing the early, the early onset. Um, I don't know. Woes of hypothermia, and his cognition was impaired. He went up that mountain in confusion, and then eventually just took off his pants and shoes, and then fell to the elements. Does that seem possible?
1: To me, it does seem possible. Um. Even
0: without the footprints. Or without where? Where the hell are the pants or the shoes? I don't get it. I
1: think the pants and the shoes is a that. Like, think about if you are you're freezing, Mm -hmm. your feet are soaking wet from snow. Mm -hmm. Like, there might be a world where you. Take take off your articles of clothing. I I could see that being a possibility. I know it doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but I could see that. I think the footprints is still the kind of the the
0: it's our red herring
1: chink in the armor here. <laughs> yeah, the like armor. I, I feel oh like my, that's a the chink the armor. where's my Nancy like Grace glossary? Just, know, <laughs> oh, they're know, new. The I creepers to, are
0: new here. They don't even know about Nancy oh, yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, creepers. All lot, in due time. Of- <laughs> But I do, because there's no, this is the problem, is that like with this case, I feel like had he had an enemy at school, had there been a girlfriend, had there been eyewitness testimony saying, yeah, he was out of his mind, he was freaking out. Plastered,
0: paranoid, something.
1: there is a part of me that because of the sheer, like the amount of texting, the what seemed to be very anxious behavior that he just kind of i know people that are very anxious human beings that just get them in the wrong scenario and it's like they can't make heads or tails of like what is happening around them like, like they p- just paranoia just takes over even spiral. if yeah even yeah. if they're not
0: heavily intoxicated
1: i could see yes that. and and so it's so sad to think about because i if if that was the case and his last moments were where's mom how do i get to mom how do i find her Am I going the right way? Because if it's dark Mm -hmm. and you're trying to find your way, I could, I mean, I think that the one thing that does strike me as odd is that it was uphill, right? Uphill. Like very far uphill. Very,
0: very far. And his cell phone is never found as far as I, as far as I saw.
1: That's also very strange.
0: It was still on. It was still ringing. You know, it wasn't going straight to voicemail. So it was, I can see the paranoia angle. Maybe if he was in the dark, if he was just becoming... He had a little bit of booze in him and he was becoming increasingly anxious. But you would think at a certain point he's going to try to call for help, you know.
1: But, But his pants were never found?
0: Pants were never found. Shoes were never found. And as far as I read, cell phone is never found. Which to me... What if
1: his cell phone was in his pants?
0: I mean, it's very possible. But even so, that one thing doesn't explain the other. I mean, the pants, like... If you're searching the woods where somebody most likely had a singular track where they were going uphill and those pants came off at some point, even if it was far back from where the body was found, you're going to find something. You have to. Mm-hmm. Like, animals aren't mm-hmm. going to go for those pants. They're just going to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's possible it could have been a lack of resources, and maybe the pants are still out there somewhere, and it's just something to be discovered. If so, that would no, put that would put a lot true, of the though. case to it's bed. It's
1: very odd. It's very odd that those are just gone.
0: Well, I was going to say, because you brought up a good point, you were like, it's strange there's no like connection to anybody else or anything. Like if there was like a bully or if there was like a, I don't know, a guy he had a problem with or there was a girlfriend or something, it could explain it. There is quite the connection in this town. Do you remember that? No. Osborne has a pretty insidious history right around this time. There's about a five year window where there were a number of high profile deaths of teenagers in this area mysterious deaths in fact the first of the four that i know of um, was a girl named brianna cook do you remember that
1: that sounds familiar she was the
0: 16 year old and this was i think 70 i think it was like 72 days was a couple months before dylan parker's mysterious death she coincidentally in the winter was also out at a party on two mile road so she was at this house party, and I think her sister was there as well and her friends. She stormed out of the party sometime around midnight, left, and nobody really knew why. Like nobody knew the context of why she was leaving. Went back to her dad's house, and then her sister and her friend later left the party, went back to the dad's house, walked in. He's already on the phone with nine one one because he just found Brianna Cook hung in the house at the
1: bathroom. <gasps> Wait, I remember that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that.
0: So this is what's insidious about her death. Police are called, obviously, and that this was before Dylan Parker. So the original coroner who worked on Dylan Parker's case, he also saw Brianna's case. So he showed up. And this is what's strange. She was tied with an extension cord around her neck. And it was tied into a knot that allegedly her parents and her sister said she did not know how to tie. It's like a sailor's knot.
1: Mm.
0: Something weird. And then when the coroner showed up, he noted that she had some strange wounds he did not perform the autopsy he was just the coroner but he inspected the body and he was like i noticed wounds on her hand i noticed wounds on her lip and i noticed a cut on her forehead which he saw before she was cut down because that this is why that's significant because eventually when the police report comes out they talk about those wounds and they were like we cut her down from the extension cord and she hit the floor which is what caused the wounds Contradiction to what the coroner says. He said, no, those wounds were there before you cut her down. So again, coroner, stir in the pot. Mm -hmm. County, County having a reason to cover things up here for whatever reason. But it gets crazier. Now, when she was leaving that party, there was one witness who eventually came forward. I don't know if they were ever named, but they said, I could hear her saying something as she was leaving. No other person corroborated this, but she said... I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect of I'm not going to cover for him anymore.
1: I remember this. I remember this now. Do you also
0: remember which house it was that she left?
1: Was it the same house? Same
0: house that Dylan Parker left the night he died. Something. (sighs) There's something. The coincidence, 72 days prior to Dylan Parker's death, this girl. And then... And then, oh my God, I forgot about this. Well, there was another girl. I think her name was Ashley. And again, like, they were all kind of friends because everybody knows everybody because the high school is like, what, 200 kids or something? Like, everybody Mm -hmm. knows everybody. This girl, Ashley, who also lived nearby, I think she was an Osborne local, she was found dead, hung from a tree nearby, from a tow rope. A tow rope. So, allegedly, she was... This is the story that they, they said it was a suicide. She also hung herself and they said that she was so devastated from Brianna's suicide and then from the reveal of Dylan Parker's death that she killed herself. Now, what's strange about that is that this happened only weeks after Dylan Parker's death. That same coroner had not been fired yet. He also saw the body of Ashley. He noted she had wounds on her hand, on her lip. And her forehead and said her forehead wound was so similar to that of Brianna Cook's. If you were to compare them in a picture side by side, he would not be able to tell the difference. That is some sinister shit going on in that town. I had to.
1: Now, with Dylan, they didn't find any other, like, they found the scratches and stuff Mm -hmm. on his arms. But there wasn't any sign of, like, physically he had been beaten or...
0: According to the report.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I mean, if we can trust County, if we can trust the medical examiner who did this, then sure. Yeah. Dylan Parker died of hypothermia, fell to the elements. But if we trust some of what the coroner said, he said, I found odd like scratches and wounds all over his upper body. Nothing that could overtly suggest like blunt force trauma or something of the effect. I mean, we don't even know if we can trust the talk screen, really. If it just said that he had alcohol in his system, it's entirely possible Mm -hmm. that he could have had something else or he could have been roofied. Like, anything could have happened. We just don't have all the answers.
1: Yeah, like, something with this just doesn't add up.
0: The parents feel that way, too. The parents don't buy it, either. Yeah. Because they— Brianna Cook's parents, they don't believe that her death— was her doing you know especially from how shady the county sheriff's statement was from like the coroner's statement they're like "Mm, those wounds were there when she was found hung you know and also like it just that that never made sense to me the idea that she would storm out of a party somebody hears her say i'm not going to cover for him anymore whoever him is and then within the hour she's found hung something about that doesn't make sense to me
1: it's it's the timing of all of it doesn't make sense. Well, you're saying that people thought she committed suicide.
0: Brianna Cook? Oh, yeah. 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 That was the, you that was the you consensus. You don't leave a high
1: school. I feel like you don't leave a high school party and go home and commit suicide. I First of all, I think as a young person to commit suicide, it almost always is the result of like torment and bullying and or a bad situation at home, I don't think mm-hmm. it's something that occurs after you've left a party or even like with friends, even if it's been a bad situation where like there was clearly an altercation of some sort for her to leave saying yeah. I'm not covering for him anymore. Something's off with that situation. Um
0: So why do, we, so I guess the better question is if we can come to a consensus that something is going on in this town in Osborne, Idaho, why are police covering it up? Who? Is it is it a teenager or is it an an adult who's behind it? <sighs> also, whose damn house is this on Two Mile Road? This I, this exactly, like exactly. Omen Hell House that you should never go to unless you want to like walk out dead.
1: Totally. I I mean I definitely feel like small towns mm-hmm. have a lot to protect and a lot to. There's a lot of, it's it's just funny in small towns the Pollock politics are almost worse than they are in a place where there's more access to information because Mm -hmm. then it's just like free free reign trying to figure out like who's scratching who's back like there's there's actually way more nefarious stuff that can go on in a really small town um
0: well think about all the dylan parker like cases that we don't even know about that go on in america all the time
1: totally um The other thing is with Dylan, I just think as a parent, there's no way I just spoke to my kid 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. and he somehow is now up a bank frozen to death. It's, haunt- it's I just, so haunting. And not answering my phone calls. I just don't think if, because I'm actually going to like disprove my own theory about him being super, super anxious. Mm-hmm. If he's super, super anxious and that's why he's getting lost. Wouldn't he be calling his mom like 5, 10, 12 times to try to figure out where she is? I was was like,
0: if he was in contact with her like, what, 12 different times between 9 to midnight and then all of a sudden. And he was like, where are you? Are you coming to get me? Are you on the way? Like, clearly he sees her as like, you're my resource. You're my way out. Yeah. No matter, you know, whatever happened to him that caused his paranoia to spike if he thought he was being followed in the dark or like something, you know, just makes up something in his head. Yeah, I just don't get it. Like... Maybe you hide in the woods, but you don't go miles up the woods in the dark. Like, that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't see any explanation for that. But beyond that, I also don't trust because I don't trust this town because I can't imagine why you would feel the need as the sheriff's department or whoever's in charge of this to fire the coroner for questioning this. It seems like a case that should be questioned. So why are we boxing the one person out who might be able to get us
1: an answer? Because maybe now that there's a track record of multiple teenagers dying, that they don't want to, they don't they don't want to, you know, incite I guess some fear in the town or panic or admit that there's something wrong here, that there's something going down.
0: Do you, does it feel? Like, it could be somebody who's around their age. Like, it was somebody who was probably, like, 18, 19. Yeah. The little soft nod. yeah. Yeah. You (laughs) unfortunately. To
1: to me, yes, because I don't know if we discussed it last time, but, like, were there any uh, teenagers at that party that were questioned or asked to provide statements? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, at Brianna's party or Dylan's party?
1: Dylan's party. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's the first place they looked when they were because police. They they started searching that night, which I also thought was kind of strange in retrospect of like how Shifty County kind of was. I'm like, oh, is this performative or is this to control something to like make sure that we keep people in a spot or like have somebody planted? Because this they went straight to the party and they were like, let's talk to every single kid who was here. They got statements, and that's where they found out. They were like, no, Dylan was, like, casually drinking. Like, he wasn't. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he he wasn't hammered. They were like, and he didn't have a fight with anybody. Like, he didn't leave the place on bad terms, on off terms, and then, like, start running into the woods. He just got out to go home, like the plan was with his mom, and something happened between the house and the end of the road. The end of the road. Something chased him into the woods. We think.
1: I just, I just don't think that's a full story. If I had to guess, I don't think that's a full story.
0: I'd be curious. It would be. I'm so mad I didn't do research on this. I don't even know how I would find this out unless I talked to some of the locals. But I actually don't know very much about who owns the house on Two Mile Road, mm-hmm. like who lives there. Because if we are assuming, I mean, obviously there's a teenager who lives there because they were inviting, you know, teenagers to these parties. I wonder who their parent is. Yes. And I wonder if they're in law enforcement.
1: Totally. That, and then I would want to know who was interacting with Dylan. Like, was he a loner? Did he come there alone? Did he have, you know, people that he was consistently talking to that night or like groups he was hanging out in? From what
0: I remember reading, he was a, I don't think he was socially isolated from anybody, but I do think he was a pretty shy kid. And if I had to Mm -hmm. guess from what you were hinting at, from the sheer amount of time he spent texting his mom at that at a party at a social event maybe he he wasn't socializing with a ton of people all night but i could be wrong you know mm-hmm. do you think Nancy would ever pick up this case
1: she does love a rural she loves a rural teenager filled young she loves a young person case mm-hmm. So I could see her picking this up.
0: She does. Let you know she's going to be at CrimeCon. Did I tell you that?
1: <gasps> no. Yeah, she's this year. Yes,
0: she got the invite. We did not. But <laughs> <laughs> I have to say because I, I still want us to go to CrimeCon. I was yeah. looking at their lineup. I thought their lineup would be like people like like true crime podcasters and like commentators. People like Nancy, you know, people who talk about they're the storytellers of the cases. No, Sue. So it's families of victims. <gasps> they are the special get- Isn't that strange?
1: That feels kind of I know tasteless.
0: Yeah, but I was well, I was like maybe there's a scenario where like the I don't know the POV is like they're going there as like spokespeople to like you know to give like platform to the case you know or to like tell our story kind of like I don't want to say motivational speaker type but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, but like it just seems like a strange idea to hold a conference <laughs> i just threw crimecon under the
1: bus but i'm like i know well my fault i said tasteless but it, more so
0: i mean it seems just, it's it's hits strange though doesn't it feel strange
1: yeah i guess i guess i would only support it if those victims families felt like they got some closure or comfort or support within that community and that's why they wanted to be there or spread the word about what happened to their the victim. Um
0: It just seems like a. But, it would be odd to make families kind of relive the trauma and then yeah. have them like field questions from an unvetted, like a random group. Totally. Crimecon, if you're listening, please, please I mean, Crime Con does cruises. That's the thing that I also can't get out of my head. Like the crime con the crime cruise. Like inviting victims' families for like a cruise expedition with like people coming to a con seems strange to me. True crime bingo. I mean. True crime bingo.
1: That's, that's dark. I don't need all inclusive crime. So that's who we're competing. We're
0: we're competing with victims, families, or we're competing with like actual credentialed investigators who are there like for like doctors, medical examiners, and like retired FBI. We'd be lucky to get catering jobs at this point.
1: (laughs) If it, if con is really more from an educational standpoint think or just be. like awareness standpoint, then I think that's great. Mm-hmm. As long as it's like the victims' families feel comfortable and they feel not exploited, like they're doing good and not exploited, then I say yeah, go for it. Um, I think
0: I was just sh- I was shocked to see like because they're promoting it and they promote like they show pictures of these families in the lineup. They're like in special guests. It's it's not this, but they're like surviving members of the Murdoch family, and I was like, oh. 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 Well, I hope this was a great Monday episode for you. <laughs> 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 Stu, any last thoughts on the Dylan Parker episode? That was that was a trip to revisit. <gasps> Is somebody here? Oh my god, right after Bryce just walked in.
1: Bryce!
0: Stu says Bryce. <laughs> He's just smiling. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts?
1: My last thoughts are just, I hope that the little bit of whatever was happening at the beginning of when we started Creep Time, where we would all of a sudden see more information come out about things. Mm. For Dylan, I surely... What year was this case again? This was
0: 2014.
1: 2014. You asked that last time too. You were like, are
0: we in 2004? And I said, 2014.
1: 2014. We're still close enough to it time-wise that I feel like more information could and should come out about this because I just feel so much for his his mom still like that is just to to have like you said that small time window and have it not you know get any sort of closure for her really there's and no she closure. was so close yeah she was so close to him at that point. I just I really hope we get clarity around what happened at some point.
0: I agree. The closeness is is very chilling in this case. And I I think it's possible if there's enough noise around it because we've seen this with other cases we've covered. We've done The Boy in the Box. Lady of the Dunes is now solved, which is crazy. Yes. <laughs> that is insane. But I would love to see more attention brought to the Dylan Parker, the Dylan Parker story. And honestly, I would love more eyes on Brianna Cook and Ashley and the other teenagers who've fallen victim. In Osborne, there's something about this place that doesn't sit right with me, and I think the more attention and the more coverage of it, the better. But still, absolutely, that is the Dylan Parker case—the mysterious death that took place in Osborne, Idaho. I was about to say I was like, maybe we'll revisit this one, and I'm like, I think I need a year. I
1: was gonna say we'll re-revisit it. <laughs> hey
0: guys, so we are back for a third year in a row recovering the Dylan Parker episode. Maybe we will if it gets solved. Maybe. I was
1: going to say, maybe maybe each year we go back and we see if anything has come up about it because I don't want a case like this where there it really is so bare bones. I feel for it because it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't get as much coverage because it is bare bones. And we, we, we should revisit it. We should.
0: I don't know if this is still true, but I know around the time, at the peak of like the Breonna Cook conversation and the Dylan Parker conversation, both families had raised enough money um, to hire private eyes, and they were petitioning to get the FBI involved. But
1: Mm.
0: again, like, it's a resources thing. So when you make enough noise for something, the FBI does move their ass. But as of right now, the case remains somewhat unsolved, I would say.
1: Mm -mm -mm. Sue. Can't trust You
0: cannot trust him as far as you can throw him. I think we should say goodbye and good luck. And we should give ourselves a little pat on the back for going back to when did we record this? 2022? Yeah. It's about to be
1: 2024. Don't say that. I just did. That's dark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we did a dang good job.
1: I think we did too. Thank you. For, thank you for going back through all of that with me. That really. It's humbling, too.
0: Yeah. It, it was a very it's, full circle moment, but I'm happy we yeah. explored it. And Creepers, thank you for listening. If this was your first time listening to Creep Time, the podcast, we just want to say thank you for sticking around for the ride, because this is a this is a lot that we throw at you every week, but we would love to see you again next Friday.
1: Yes. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you stick around and join our our little community.
0: And for now, we will say goodbye
1: and good luck. Good luck. We'll get that later. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, creepers.